2: It's Curious City, where we take your questions
0: about Chicago
1: and the region and investigate, report, explore, from WBEZ.
0: Hey, I'm WBEZ reporter Monica Eng, and on a warm fall afternoon, I meet up in Chinatown with questioner Mallory Van Meter. We walk down side streets, looking at lots of apartments with these amazing front yard gardens covered in squash and melon vines. That's, That's
3: some extreme urban gardening.
0: Mallory's been fascinated by this Chinese neighborhood and its people for a while. And that fascination grew when she was searching for apartments online. She noticed there were hardly any rentals advertised in Chinatown. She wanted to know why, so she asked Curious City...
3: Chinatown is a hole in the online rental market. How do people find apartments there?
0: Seems like a pretty simple question, but the answer can be a little complicated and even controversial. That's because Chinatown apartment rentals are advertised in pretty much one language, Chinese. Because Chinatown landlords just prefer a certain type of tenant, Chinese. But this preference, it's been key to keeping Chinatown Chinese for almost 100 years, especially since Chinese immigrants weren't always welcome in other neighborhoods. So let's start with the basic question. How exactly do people find their apartments? To find out, I meet up with Debbie Liu and C.W. Chan of the Coalition for a Better Chinese American Community. That's we meet at the busy new Chinatown library, and Lou tells me that local landlords don't usually advertise on popular English-language sites like Craigslist or Apartments.com, but instead through internal channels, um, social media, WeChat. We will
1: also Chinese ethnic newspapers. So here we have some
0: Friday newspapers, which are free. Chan reads an ad.
2: It's a nice place. Two
0: bedrooms, a view, and washer dryer.
2: 1400 including a parking space.
0: But these ads cost money to post, so a lot of landlords go a thriftier route. They paste their ads outside on light posts. What do you see?
2: Nice room, Move in right away. Okay, you can even run the bed for $300 a month.
0: And finally, Chan says the most popular method may just be word of mouth. These may seem like super limited ways to rent out apartments, but Liu and Chan say they work just fine because landlords have plenty of takers.
2: Demand always seems to be a little bit more than the supply.
0: And that's largely because Chinatown still gets a steady flow of immigrants who need a familiar place to live upon entry to the United States. Plus, Chan says they're seeing a recent trend of suburban Chinese moving back to the city. Add to that a revamped L-stop, a new field house, a new library, and a promised new high school. And you've got folks who might have moved on, now staying in Chinatown. Okay, I get it. There's a high demand so these landlords can afford to limit their ads to Chinese people. But why? I mean, why just Chinese people? And mind you, I ask this as the granddaughter of two Chinese immigrants. To get the answer, I talked to several landlords off the record because they worried their preferences for Chinese tenants could seem controversial, even provoke backlash. I run some of their reasons by Lu and Chan, like the one where landlords said it was just easier to relate to Chinese tenants.
1: There's definitely a sense of comfort that you are among people who think like you, may have cultural beliefs and traditions that are similar to yours, so that the person who's reading it can also read the same language.
0: So having tenants you can talk to, whose customs you understand, and who frankly won't think your food smells weird, that brings a sense of comfort. Another reason, tenants recommended by Chinese friends can come with a sense of accountability. Like if the renter turns out to be a jerk, you've got someone to blame.
2: Even it can be quite indirect, uh, at least you can <laughs> link to someone. And I think that that help with the competence level.
0: And finally, sources told me Chinese landlords worry that non-Chinese tenants could be, well, high maintenance, meaning they might ask a landlord to do stuff like change a light bulb. But Lu says among Chinese,
1: There's an expectation that like, you fix your own things and that if you want me to do it, then you're going to get charged. And nobody wants to do that, so then you might as well do it yourself
0: this assumption that tenants will just repair things themselves can go too far, leaving people with major problems that never get fixed. So Chan says there's talk in the community about workshops to explain tenant and landlord rights.
2: To uh, create that kind of trust in the community where we can reach out to both sides.
0: But these sides, they're still likely to be two Chinese sides. And that's frankly how a lot of people like it around here. So does any of this violate the Fair Housing Act, the law meant to protect renters and buyers from discrimination? I asked Allison Bethel, who directs the Fair Housing Clinic at the John Marshall Law School. From the description I gave her, she wasn't sure the practice violated the letter of the law, since that would require proof of discrimination. But she does say it violates the spirit of the law, which, after all, is meant to help foster more open communities. So I asked Chan and Liu, don't these practices show bias?
1: I don't necessarily think it's a bias. I think that there's a sense of comfort that has kind of allowed this community to thrive. Um, And I think that actually is one of the reasons why Chinatown has kind of thwarted gentrification.
0: And gentrification is something they want to avoid, especially since they've watched Chinatowns around the country get an influx of non-Chinese once the neighborhood got hot. All Chinatowns
1: were kind of created in the outskirts of downtown where initially it was very slummy. And then when people built it up, then it became good enough for other people.
0: But this whole insider-outsider balance is gonna be tough to maintain.
2: We're trying to preserve the kind of environment where where a new immigrant can really survive and be able to conduct a daily life. But at the same time, I personally know for sure that Chinatown actually wants to be very welcoming because Chinatown economy depends on that.
0: So does that mean someone might actually rent to Mallory?
2: When available, I don't think uh, Chinatown would really reject people living in Chinatown.
0: But if current trends continue, that availability isn't coming anytime soon. When I meet up with Mallory to tell her all this, I ask if it offends her.
3: Um, no. We have this community that we really want to protect, and we want to be welcoming to new people coming into the country and give them a place to land. To me, that's like really beautiful and important. This is just a 10 block radius largely out of my reach, which is fine because I can get a place to live somewhere else and it won't inconvenience me in any way.
0: This week's reporting comes from me, Monica Eng. Curious City is supported by the Conan Family Foundation.
1: Next time on Curious City. Illinois is the second flattest state in the country. But you wouldn't know it from the way Chicago suburbs are named.
3: Highland Park, Arlington Heights, Mount Prospect, Prospect, Prospect Heights, Heights
1: right. Palos Heights,
3: Chicago Heights,
1: Barrington Hills,
0: Rolling uh, Meadows. Um,
1: the reasons behind Chicago's flatness complex. That's next time on WBEZ's Curious City.